the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In steadfast obedience to God's call upon his life, Pastor Rander continues to challenge us with stimulating questions that we must answer if we are to live a committed, God-filled life. We cannot reach our full potential short of giving God, rather than this world, our very best. The only way we can maximize our God-given capacity is to walk by faith at all times and in all things. God's Word tells us that we must look to the hills for help. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Thank you for joining us today. As you listen in, you'll want to take notes, so keep pen and paper handy. Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Then he asked a second time. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. How many times did God ask Peter a question? Three times. How many times did Peter deny it? Three times. God was restoring him here. God was building up his commitment level. He was challenging his commitment level, supreme commitment to him. God knew he was about to go to heaven and he was going to leave Peter and the rest of the disciples apart from Judah. He was going to leave the church and the business of the church in their hands. And God was just strengthening Peter's faith He was encouraging him. He was restoring him. He was building him up after the failure. He did not throw Peter away. As a matter of fact, he used Peter because Peter in Acts chapter 2 stood up boldly and owned up to Christ. He preached and over 3,000 came to Jesus. Amen. And just because you have failed God doesn't mean that you are unusable. Repent, turn around and ask God to use you like never before. Four things you can do with your failure. Four things you can do with your failure. Number one, surrender your failure to the Lord. That's what you do. Surrender. God, I give you, I have failed you. You know, tell him, don't, don't just speak generically, but tell God specifically how you failed him. Just be transparent to God. Listen, if you can't be transparent to God, you're really in bad shape. You can tell God what you can't tell anybody else. 
So you just tell God exactly if you lied, if you told a half lie, what is a lie? If you failed in your tithing, failed in this, failed in that, whatever you fail, tell him how you have failed him and then surrender the failure to the Lord. Number two, we can learn from our failures instead of blaming others. Learn from them. God wants to teach you something about yourself with your failures. Now, if you don't learn from your failures, you're going to really fail again. Some lessons are hard learned because we don't learn. We, we can learn from our failures instead of blaming others. Number three, we grow through our failures. We grow through our failures. I mean, sometimes the school of hard knocks is the best way to grow. You don't grow on easy street. You grow through challenges of marriage and difficulties with your children. You grow through hurts and pains and disappointment. This is a way God, God uses these, even though uncomfortable, as a way of building you up and getting you uh, to raise the spiritual boy in your life. Number four, we can minister more effectively to others because of our failures. It's because you have failed God. It's because you committed premarital sex and you've been restored or you committed adultery and you've been uh, restored, or you committed pornography and you've been restored, or gambling and been restored, and all of these things, the list goes on and on, that you can use that as a ministry to others, and you can say, man, I know where you are because I have been exactly where you are. Stop making folk think you've arrived and you've never been wrong. <laughs> You don't, you, everything is perfect about you. You have such a high view of yourself that folk can't get to Jesus. We can minister more effectively to others because of our failures. I want all of you, now, now some of you saying I heard some of this before, but I'm going to give you some new insights that's inculcated that I did not say last week. So there's a spiritual spin, so I'm bracing you ahead of time. Galatians uh, 6.1. Galatians 6, 1. That's one up there, but it should be 6, 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Okay? Galatians 6, 1. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, that's sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I'm going to reiterate, make, underline this, bracket this verse, because somehow this verse has gotten dismissed from the scripture in the minds of people. Brethren, if a man is overtaken, or a woman, generic man or woman is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, I want to say something. We must not be insensitive to those who have failed, no matter the reason. Sometimes you say, well, yeah, I didn't do that, but you do you know what he did or what she did? Like theirs is so much worse than yours. Let me tell you something. Sin will get all of us in trouble, no matter what degree. God chastens any sin. There's no such thing as a little sin and a big sin. All sin will separate you from God. So we must not be insensitive to those who have failed no matter the reasons, but like Jesus, be willing to lovingly and compassionately restore the one who has fallen 
back to ministry after they have genuinely repented and gone through the restoration process. There's a process, and once the person has humbled themselves, have shown genuine repentance, we ought to not be executing eternal punishment on those who have fallen into sin. Huh? You ought to treat others like you would want to be treated if you were in that same situation. Huh? Now, here's the insight I didn't give last time, and I want you to get this down. To restore literally means to mend or to repair, as in repairing a broken bone or a dislocated limb. Okay? To restore literally means to mend or to repair, as in repairing, you know, broken bones. The doctors, my leg's broken, arm's broken, and they... You know, they put it together and they put clamps on it. What would they do medically? I'm no doctor, but they, they put it together and, uh, and then they put it in a cast and all that kind of stuff. And in time, that bone is not, that bone is not fused in two minutes. You know, you know in time, that broken bone is it's in that cast because it takes time for that bone to just really connect and to gel and to be cemented together, fused together, you see. So to restore literally means to mend or to repair, as in repairing a broken bone or a dislocated limb. The ministry of restoration is a ministry of God. The ministry of restoration, restoring our brothers and sisters who have fallen, is actually a ministry of God. God holds us responsible for restoring our repentant brothers and sisters to a right relationship with him and to the fellowship of believers. And every time you see them, you ought not be bringing up what they've done. Even when your spouse has made a mistake, a, a sin against God, you ought not say, you ought not, every time you have a spat, you bringing up that whole old dirty laundry list. That's not fair to him or her if you've truly forgiven. Y'all getting quiet now. God holds us responsible for restoring our repentant brothers and sisters to a right relationship with him and to the fellowship of believers. The goal is reconciliation to God as well as our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It is about making people whole again. That's that's what it is. Restoration is about making people whole again. God asked a question. Do you want to be made whole? I mean, I mean that, that, that's the mark of a healthy, well-balanced church. It's when we see the mess of people and we assist them into getting out of their mess in, in order that they will be restored so that they can be well and whole and vibrant in the body of Christ. Next thing I want to say, I said this point last week, but God gave me new insight. Challenge your children's spirituality if you want to make the most of your new year. I didn't say this last time, but I'm going to say this now. The Spirit just gave me this while I'm standing here. Is that you will always, now if you're spiritual parents, you will always be challenging your children's spirituality. When they are young children, when they are teens, when they are young adults, and when they get 30 and 40, you still ought to be challenging their spirituality, because you're still their mama and their daddy, and you never get through teaching your children. Did you hear what I said? They say, 
Mama, I'm grown. I'm still your mama. Yeah, you, you never catch up with me. Yeah, you grown, but God has taught me some things experiential, experientially and from my walk with the Lord. Hear ye the word of God through the vessel of your parent. Oh, God, help me. Challenge your children's pep. Never say I'm through with you. When you say I'm through with you, you're saying I'm not going to teach you anymore. When you say I'm through with you, you said I'm not going to even pray for you anymore. So you're saying you want God to be through with you. Don't get quiet on me. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, he may stray, she may stray, but at least if you put it in them, they got something to come back to. Now, some children don't have anything to come back to because nothing was put in them spiritually. Parents, let me talk to you. I, this is still, I'm trying to get, God help me to get the world out of the church. Parents, you cannot give what you do not have. If you don't have spirituality, you can't give it. You got grandchildren and great-grandchildren that need what you have, but if you don't have it, how can you give it? You don't need to be an old, carnal, fleshly saint. You ought to be more spiritual as you grow older. Ain't nothing like an old fool. (laughs) Parents, you cannot give what you do not have. And you can't be so hard and mean and callous and nitpicky expecting them to hear you. You have to find something good about your children. Even you have to pray to ask God to show it to you. So, parents, you cannot give what you do not have. You must be a saved, growing, spiritually mature parent. There are some children don't want to be around their parents because they're so hard on them, so down, nothing's ever right. I mean, if it's not this, it's not that. Well, why don't your children do this? You didn't do this. We didn't do this. I mean, you comparing your parenthood to... You know, to theirs and all that kind of stuff. And you make it so bad. You just get in the way. The in-laws become outlaws. You must be a saved, growing, spiritually mature parent. Let me tell you some parents. That means you have to practice what you teach and be a good example before your children. A good example. Say good example. In other words, your children know when you are being a hypocrite, mom and daddy, and grandma, and aunt, and auntie, and uncle, cuz, your children know when you are being a hypocrite, they're smarter than you think. They should catch the vision of godliness from your holy lifestyle. I mean, they learn holiness from watching you, and they learn carnality and being a fool from watching you too. Listen, the reason why some children are so worldly is because they get mixed messages from their own parents. Oh, now you're choking up now. I I reiterated the reason why some children are so worldly is because they get mixed messages from their own parents. You got folk coming to your house. You smooching on and before your children. Not married to one night stand. Them folk, no kids know that person don't belong in that house. You cussing in the house and then you're singing in the choir and they're looking at mama. Ooh, mama. That's right. 
That's right. They're looking at you with a lottery ticket. You're teaching them to gamble, and they're going to lose everything. Huh? You say, well, I don't get drunk, but perhaps your child will become a drunkard because they saw you who could handle it, and they couldn't handle it, but they caught it from you. Huh? Huh? You smoke up the house, chances are high they're going to smoke up the house. Maybe you didn't get lung cancer, but they will. Are y'all still out there? If you out there, say amen. Or say ouch or something. You get mixed messages. Parents, if you got all these tattoos over your body, they're going to have it all over their head. They're going to tattoo their tongues and everything else. Tattoos all over, and you're trying to be a good example. And then you wonder why your child can't. Listen, you already, we already got strikes against us. We don't have to help folk, not hire us. You scare folk. They may hair all kinky and all messed up and looking wild and grill all in your face. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> what are you doing? Parents body, body piercing themselves all over. <laughs> Can't even talk. Body piercing all over. You got mamas whose skirts are shorter than the daughters. Huh? And then you wonder why your children are all corner. All corner. Because you, you look bad. You look bad. You talking bad. You looking at X-rated stuff. You won't turn the TV off or turn the channel or get that stuff off the television. Or drop that. Some of y'all paying for sin and won't even pay your tithes. You got all those channels. 892 channels and can't get 10%. Oh God, I told you I wasn't through. I had to go back and revisit this message. I'm, my goal is to get the world out of you. And parents, your, your children can't be no more holier than you. You're setting a bad example. Oh God. Boy, this look bad. This look bad. C. Oh, whatever it is now. I lost my alphabet. Just get the next point. (laughs) Your children should not be more kingdom minded than you. Your children should be more kingdom minded than you. Uh Uh-uh. They should not have to stay home because you don't want to come to church. Your child want to come to church, want to come to Sunday school, want to come to youth ministry. Never punish your child not coming to church because they love coming to church. Listen, that's the last thing you ought to do. When you do that, you're not going to come to youth ministry. Now, you're driving them away. That's not a good punitive thing to do. That's bad. Matter of fact, you just said using that as a punitive measure because you don't want to bring them. And then you drop them off. And use the church as a nursery while you go down to the forum in the mall and you come back at nine using the church as a glorified babysitter. So your child is growing in Christ while you growing in your own materialism. <laughs> Did I say that? No, I didn't say it. God said it. You don't drop your child. You bring your children to church. 
Bring them there. Drop them off. Go. Have your dinner, lunch, whatever. you Come back. Pick them up. Child growing, you dying. That's a sad day when a child have more spirituality than their parents. That's sad. That's real sad. I mean, that's past sad. Instead of you, you training your child, your child's training you. Oh, God, help me preach this message. I'm trying to help you help make the most of your new year. Look, be excited about the spiritual development of your children and refuse to pour water on their fire. Don't be a stumbling block to your child's faith. Your children, oh, you ought to be, what did the pastor teach today? Tell me three points you learned from the pastor. What did you learn? What did your, your Sunday school teacher teach you, John? What did you learn in vacation Bible school? What did, tell me about it. Tell me about it. And how do you, now, what, what do we learn? How do we get this, Ill, this word into real life lessons while you eating? Some of y'all can't teach lessons because the television's on while you eating. You know? So Deuteronomy, I mean, you're just in a stumbling block. Kids come back from Moe Ranch, fired up. I mean, they've been crying out to God, just happy, on fire, jumping. I mean, they just excited about God. And you come, and then child comes in the car, get in the car, but well, what's your problem? What? Huh? I'm going to just see how you're going to act three weeks from now. Wait a minute. Now, that's not the way. Three weeks? You ought to be. Y'all, that's just, we're going to see what, what it's going to be like three weeks from now. I'm going to see if it's real. And you know what you're doing? You're putting their fire out instead of cultivating the fire. You're pouring water on it. And you wonder when your child act a fool and leave away and you mad and trying to cry to God and God saying it's you. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six through nine. And these words which I command you today. Now you got to turn to it. When you finally say amen. We're going to grow up this year. <laughs> we're going to grow up this year. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9, it says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, the word ought to be all around. You ought to see the word. You ought to have some scripture on the walls. You know, the scripture memory verse ought to be on the refrigerator. Every time they look every wall, you got scriptures and you got, you got sacredness, uh, 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 an ambiance of sacredness in that house. And you teaching them when they get up, you're talking about God. When they eat, you're talking about God. When, when the best time to talk about God is when they're in that car because they can't get out. <laughs> talk about God. And don't let them put that stuff in their ears while you talking. Talk about God. Go to bed with God. It's about God. Your children need God because these worldly professors with PhDs that don't know God would talk what little they got in them out of them because you didn't build it up. These atheists and agnostics and all these folks, they sitting in seats of high learning. And they speak with authority. 
And if you don't have the word inculcated in your child, they'll be blown away. That's why we lose our children after they graduate, because college is waiting to suck out everything you put in. Listen, if you're going to make the most of this new year, you need to ask God to heal your painful memories and press on so that you can serve God to the maximum of your potential. You're going to make the most of this year. You got to let the memories of last year, 20 years ago, you have to let God release you of that. Press on so that you can serve God to the maximum of your potential. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. When you find it, say amen. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind. If you keep looking back, you're going to sink your life. You got to look forward. A runner don't win a race looking backwards. You don't run a race like this. They going like this and they running and they pressing. You're not, look, you're not looking back. You got to look forward. You see? And, and the best way to have your painful memories healed is to actually execute Psalms 107.28. It says, he sent his word, and heal them. Wow. You know the word will heal you? The word of God is therapeutic. I'm going to tell you something. Thank you, Holy Ghost. When you come to church and you get this word that I'm preaching and you begin to live out the word, you won't need to be sitting in counselor's office for pastoral counseling because the word of God is counsel. Did you hear what I just said? The word of folk that seek counsel all the time is because they're not living out the counsel from the pulpit. Now, some pulpit man, you don't have no counsel because the word is not fair. That's why I'm not concerned about how emotional you get, although emotion, having emotions is a part of worship. But you can't live on your emotions. <laughs> you got to live on the word. The word of God is therapeutic. It is. And sometimes they're giving you pills trying to medicate your problems away. And really, the issue is not medication as much as it is the word being actualized, executed, implemented in your life. Scripture tells us that in order to live according to God's plan for our lives, we must be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. It also tells us that we must forget our past and look toward those things that are ahead. In addition to the gift of a brand new year, God has given us the gifts of keeping the past where it belongs and looking to the present and the future, doing new things in him that shall spring forth. Isn't that good news? If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more teachings by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.